Hey, quick note here before we jump into the episode. Sincerely apologize for not having the correct microphone selected. I was using a new platform to record the podcast for the first time ever. And I, while I had the correct microphone selected in the settings on my computer, I did not have it selected correctly on my recording platform. And so you're hearing in this episode, unfortunately, the MacBook Pro microphone. And that's all. And uh, jump into the episode from here. Yeah, it shocked me the other day when I saw Russell Brand. Even you know the really famous actor. Yeah, like, he had Jordan uh, Peterson on. Yeah, and I see him talking about political matters on his YouTube. My girlfriend and I watched a nice fifteen-second video of his the other day. I was like, wow, even him. Yeah. You know, because when you make such a big pivot as the way I did, you do you you question yourself every now and then, even if it's just once a month. You know, seeing more and more people like that and Patrick Beth David and and the like, you know, it just really validates what I've done and the change in in mission. Because a lot of people, uh, including myself, have really uh, questioned it and 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 doubted it and scrutinized it. Yeah, welcome uh, to being sure. an entrepreneur, dude. <laughs> like every fucking day of my life is this. <laughs> yes, certainly. <laughs> You, so, you're just you're just going through it for many times the first time, although you have a lot more experience than I did at your age. But yeah, that's that's the brilliance and the beauty of creating a vision and going for it. No one gives two shits about it at first, or if they do, and I'm sure you probably felt this. The people that listen to your podcast before, are like, whoa, this is not what I signed up for. See ya. Yeah, which is another one of those shit. Did I do the right thing? But then. You eventually, and we can kind of go into that because I shifted, and I talk about this in the book, but I also talk about that shift and how I did it. it was a colossal failure on my end, and then I, I shifted everything. And I don't have outside money in my businesses; it's all my money. So to put your family's future, you know, I have an eight-year-old daughter. My wife, you know, we're I'm 47 or I'm about to turn 47. My wife's 41. She's like, look, I don't want to fucking live like this, you know, like, but I'm like, no, it's the vision. I'm all in. Like, I, I, I'm a chips on the table all the time. It's, Roll the dice. Yeah. Smart and in a smart manner. The, the alternative, I guess, is selling your soul to a and, and the, your prime right. years to a, a corporation. Yeah. I mean, the beauty of using my own money is I answer to no one. But exactly. Uh, you and I are kind of different and like different breeds of entrepreneur, like the self-funded type. Like we're not in the venture capital. World. I, I don't even like, the you know, the whole tech startup, Silicon Valley, like or Austin, Texas, California, or like we're, we're not in that like entrepreneurial world. We're like, we're different. I don't, it, it's, it's a very different game. I just don't you like and I telling me what to do. And so those right. people put me money <laughs> into a company, they tell you what to do. And I just, mm -hmm. no, fuck that. I'm not doing that. Yeah, I, I think it will, though, be interesting. You you mentioned your, quote unquote, switch or, or change being a colossal failure. I, and I don't know exactly what it is you're yeah, referencing there. I, I think it, it yes. So I'll, we did a, I guess, I might cut that out, might not. Uh, might be a rolling start, might not. Uh, is this going to uh, be video or audio only? You know, you like I said, using Zencast for the first time, I hope it's recording video. If it's not, I really don't care because audio is like 
the priority yeah as always is with me all right but i have been experimenting with youtube and cool. putting like well you can do anything you want with me i mean yes cool so philip stutz he is here philip stutz 2.0 he was on growth mindset university the former uh, version of my program and uh, of course now he's on the jordan paris show so welcome everyone to the jordan paris show welcome philip stutz philip is the founder and ceo of win big media a corporate marketing agency and most interestingly for me and us the founder and executive chairman of go big media which is a political marketing ad firm and so it's always interesting he's been talking for years it's always interesting to hear it what in the world of political marketing translates to the world of business marketing how can you and i regular people not uh, necessarily politicians how can we make money in our businesses what principles from the world of political marketing carry over uh, so it's always been interesting uh, having known philip i guess the past two years seeing and hearing his insights on that i believe we talked a little bit about it in the podcast almost two years ago now and philip he has a book coming out called the undefeated marketing system how to grow your business and build your audience using the secret formula that elects presence so we will get to that philip uh, what we we're talking about pre-roll here is your switch that was a colossal failure and how i've questioned my Detail. Yeah. Talk well, first of all, let's, let's get something straight. Congrats on your switch. It takes a lot of balls to give up something you've put so much time into to do something you're ser seriously passionate about. And just by getting to know you over the last two years, I love to see, I, I've enjoyed following you, seeing your stuff out there and you're putting out really good content. So keep it up. If I had half as much gravitas as you did at your age, there's no telling where I'd be. I didn't start my journey, my entrepreneurial journey until I was 41. So wow. yes, I mean, I was- Dude, a, I, th I thought I'll, you were like in your 30s. You look pretty young. Yeah, I'm 46, about to be 47. Really? Wow. About to be 47. But I, um, uh, I mean, I was a one-man- uh, I had a one man consulting company from 30 to 40, and then I switched it at 41. But the, the question you had was, what was this colossal failure? Well, I mean, you know, doubting yourself is part of the job of being an entrepreneur. Imposter syndrome is another part Dude, of being an entrepreneur. Deal with it every day. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I remember, I remember telling my wife a couple of years ago, I said, this is lonely. It is really being a business owner is really lonely. Your employees don't want to be your friends. And, you know, when I was an employee or I worked with a bunch of people like on political campaigns for 20 years, you know, we were all like, it was like being in a fraternity or, you know, fraternity sorority. Like we were all intertwined, best friends, working seven days a week, 24 hours a day for our candidates. And then to leave that and then go to where you're just by yourself or you have a you know, at this point we have almost over 30 employees, but, and they're awesome. And we create built a culture company and we're really proud of that. And it's sincere. It's not fake, but in the end, no one wants to be my friend. I'm the boss. And so it becomes lonely. And so I started going to all these masterminds six, seven years ago. And I was like, Oh, everybody was like, you know, imposter syndrome, be you're lonely as a business owner. I'm like, yes, yes. And everybody gets it. And I was like, this is my tribe. Like it just took me a long time to figure out that that's now my tribe, those groups. Right. But my colossal failure was, so I, 
work, I, I still do. I work in politics. I've worked in politics for 25 years running political campaigns. And so, you know, I wrote the first time I came on your podcast, I talked about my first book, which is called uh, Fire Them Now. And I had made the switch from political, really spending all my time working on political marketing campaigns to go into corporate marketing campaigns. And so you did kind of the opposite switch that I did. I went from really the business world, talking about business self-helpy content to really uh, political. Yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, there's this thing um, that happens. Your audience is probably a lot younger, but it, this is good to know. You hit your late 30s, early 40s, and you go, oh, shit. Like, I'm on the downside. Like, what my, what is my life really going to be about? And so for me, it was like, man, I've done politics for so long. I still love it. But I just wanted a new challenge in my life. And so I said, you know, I think I could apply what we do to elect presidents and apply it to businesses. And so I started doing that. We started working with companies and we started having a lot of success. And then we landed the biggest client we'd ever landed. And it was a eight-figure supplement company on the precipice of being a nine-figure company. And that was like, it was like our golden egg client. We were just super excited. And we started applying, again, the principles between behind political marketing. Execution on the corporate side is totally different, but the principles are uh, very, very relevant uh, to successful marketing campaigns. Anyway, and so uh, we started helping this, this business owner and we started doing some really good stuff. And then he came to us and said, hey, the biggest campaign I run is also on Instagram. And my biggest, highest selling supplement, I want to do an Instagram campaign for that. We're like, awesome. So we said, sure. So we brought in our photographer, professional photographer, took pictures of the supplement, and we started loading it up and putting together all the, the messaging and the creative for it. Um, and we presented it to him right before we were going to post it. And he said, you know, what, 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 what the hell are you doing? And we went, what, what do you mean? And he goes, mm. I've worked for eight years on my logarithm with Instagram. It is where I sell the most products. That's the number one selling product I have. And you're about to post it without a human being in it. And we went, yeah. And he goes, if you post a picture on Instagram without a human being in it, you, your, my numbers, my, my organic numbers on top of my paid numbers will go massively down. I won't get enough likes, shares, purchases, everything. And then it'll screw me up for, for months to come. And I've got to rebuild that whole thing. I don't know about monetary value, but in terms of engagement, I can, uh, I, I yeah. tend to agree with. No, he's a hundred percent right. Like, and, and what happened was we went, Oh, you know, I realized that my team that I had not led them and my team had not done enough to understand his business before we started marketing it, understand his customer before we started marketing. It. And so I said, look, we'll fix this. Um, we're, must we'll have been embarrassed. Yeah, it sucked. I know. I, I can imagine. Yeah, I apologize. I and I said, we will fix this. And he said, great, I'll talk to you tomorrow. That was the last time I talked to him. So he ghosted us. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and I, I went, shit, I got to figure this out. And so that was my doubted moment. And so I went into my office, closed my door, started writing with a pen and a notebook. Like, what is it that we do in politics to get presidents elected, senators elected, governors elected? And then how is that? How can we translate that in a systematic approach, not a sort of whack-a-mole approach to help businesses? And I, and I, Finally kind of figured out there's these this five-step system we use in every political campaign to elect candidates every time. And I'm like, shit, we're going to follow that. And I had no proof behind that. I knew I had proved it in politics. I had not proved it in business. So we spent the next four or five years 
shifting every client we had to follow this five-step systematic process to marketing their company. And in the process, every single one of them grew. Every single one of them grew. And and I went, holy cow, this thing is undefeated, which is why that thus the name, that's where it came from. I went, oh my God, this, this system is undefeated. It works every time for a business owner, but it didn't happen. Uh, it wouldn't have happened had I not colossally been f- failed and been fired by the biggest client that had ever come into our company at that time. Since then, we've done Fortune 200 companies, startup companies, uh, small businesses, big businesses. Uh, it's been crazy. The system works on B2B, B2C, e-com. It works across the board. And all we're doing is applying this formula that we've u- utilized in politics for 20 years now. Yes. So friends, if you're listening, you can tell that this is a hybrid episode. This is a business episode because I'm in business. I'm I Money is the means for me to make whatever impact I want to uh, make. And where this is a business-driven episode drawing on insights from the political arena. So it is related. It, it absolutely fits into the Jordan Parrish show, just a little bit of a hybrid episode. Would it be too much, Philip, to share some of the, you, you talk about the the five steps, the five principles. Like if you just went out and named all five, would there be any reason for, to buy your book? Like, I yeah, don't want to I mean, make, I, think, I, I don't, yeah. like, I don't, I don't want to, you know, uh, get it, get it all out here for free. Uh, oh, you can for, get it for free. That's the, that's the whole point. Uh, in fact, you can utilize these and not hire a mar- marketing agency. So if you're a startup with no money, this is the way you should be doing it. Why don't I show you how it's works in politics? We'll focus yes, on exactly. politics and then we can kind of cross over. Um, And then, you know, if you want to talk political stuff, dude, I'm happy to do that too. Look, Facebook banned my book cover. Oh, no, no. I wanted to get to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, This book cover (laughs) got banned and uh, and it, it, you know. Fascist book, rather. Right. And uh, I caused quite the ruckus with that. Had National uh, showed up on Fox News to talk about the banning, wrote an article in The Federalist uh, about the banning. Dan Bongino took off on it. Uh, and did a big story on it. And then uh, f- suddenly, out of nowhere, Facebook lifted the ban on, uh, on my book cover. So, oh, they did. I, yeah. I, didn't, I did not get that follow-up. Yeah. Um, so pretty happy about that. But it's also a telltale sign of what's to come. So how, how this five-step process works in politics is this. Jordan, every can- I've, I've met, you know, you, you may have read my bio in the intro, but I've been a part of 1,407 election victories in my career three presidential wins. Every time I've sat down with a candidate before we you know, started the campaign, I say to them, what do you believe in? What, what do you want to run on? What are the policy issues that, you're, that motivate you to run? And every time that candidate will tell me 20 to 25 things they want to run on. And I go, oh boy. You ever get people <laughs> yeah. that are like, oh, I don't know. No, because I feel like there's I do feel like there's some people that don't know why they're running other than the narcissistic self-image pursuit. Those people exist. I think I made a point when I was 22 years old and got into the business. I said, I'm not going to work for people like that. And so I've had the opportunity to meet with people like that. And I just walked away before I even started. So for me, no, they've always said. So what happens is and this this is the way I've always done it. It's, it's probably different than most people think how politics is run. Most people probably think you go, hey, let's take a poll and find out what the voters like, and then let's run our campaign on those issues. Great. 
that's how some people do it. And I think it's an inauthentic way of running campaign. Yeah. I was going to like, like you have no spine, like you have no core beliefs, core values. Like you're just going to go with whatever you think other people want. Yeah. Like that, that wouldn't be my instinct, my instinct. Cause I'm so awesome. Philip is, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm brash. Like I, I kind of do and say what I want to do. Like, and I don't really care if people like it. I'd be standing up for those sorts of things. Like, I don't really care what you yeah. say. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I remember uh, like, I'm that's, that's how Bill Clinton ran. He basically took polls, figured out what people wanted and then ran on those. I, I look at this differently hmm. and I've always done it this way. What I do is I sit down with the candidate and find out the 20, 25 issues that they're the most passionate about, that they want to talk about on the campaign. And then I go out and I take a poll with the voters. Now, listen, it's much more sophisticated than that. I'm simplifying this because we just don't have all day long, but there's, you know, there's millions of points of data that we're looking at in every single state and every single voter. But what we want to do is we go in and we, for the sake of this conversation, we go and poll the voters, but we don't poll the voters in a broad way. We poll them only on the 20 to 25 issues that that candidate told me they're passionate about. And then inevitably, we find two or three issues that the voters blow through the roof on. They, they will uh, flip parties to vote for a candidate that believes in that issue. They, If they don't know the candidate, if they knew the candidate believed in that issue, they'd vote for him. Like We just find out what it's going to take to win the election based on that. But it's in an alignment with what the, what the politician already cares about. Does that make sense? So it, mm-hmm. I find out what the politician cares about and is passionate about. And then I go figure out for the voter standpoint, what are their top two issues within those 20 to 25 issues that the candidate is, is wanting to talk about? And then I go back to the candidate and I say, hey, you know, 20, 25 issues. We're not talking about those anymore. We're only going to focus on these two to three issues. And so for us, that's step one is you have to you have to figure out like the most important thing we can do is you have to figure out where the alignment is between in the data, you know, in business, it's cu- customer or client data and business and political, it's, it's uh, voter data, but what do the voters care about? What, what's going to motivate them based on what the candidate already believes, right? So that's for us as step one of the five-step system. Step two is now that you know, and now that you know where you have alignment, you got to develop a plan and po- politics, it's a campaign plan and business world, it's a marketing plan. And so we're going to work to put together marketing. We're going to target certain voters on certain issues. We're going to target certain demographics. We're going to talk about the platforms we need to go and, and, and run ads to. We're going to build a real marketing plan. Same thing on business, build a real marketing plan. That's step two. Step three, this is a little weird for some people. I don't do branding until step three. I don't do it first because I don't want to, first of all, build a brand around something that the voters don't care about. Because here's the thing, and I also build the brand before you go spend any money on ads, because you don't want to send people to your campaign website, your brand, unless you know those are the issues that are going to resonate with them. Like That's got to be the most important thing that they do. And so from step three for us is we build the brand. The brand is only going to be around those two or three issues we talked about or that we found in the data the voters care the most about, but the politician also is super passionate about. That's what the brand's going to be. Brand's not going to be 20 things. It's going to be two or three things and some bio stuff. And then step four is now that we know those two or three issues, let's say it's tax policy and 
uh, let's say guns or, or the gun debate right now, right? So it's, let's just say it's um, Second Amendment and tax policy. I'm going to test Second Amendment and tax policy a thousand different ways, message-wise, to figure out what resonates the the best. What's going to get people to click through? I'm going to do this at a low cost. Let me give you an example of what I mean by that, Jordan. So in 2016, Trump's uh, Donald Trump's digital director, marketing director, was a guy named Gary Kobe. He's a friend of mine. He used to work for me 15 years ago. And I said, I took him out to coffee after the election. I'm like, what did you guys do? I want to know. And he's, this is after 16, right? And so he said to me, Philip, we would take follow. He, he, they don't, we don't, anun- we don't really lay out these five steps. We've, we inherently follow these five steps, but he's like, we knew the voters cared about all these issues. So what we did was we take one message and we, we'd go on Facebook. This is back when Facebook was the wild west. And he said, we'd go on Facebook and we'd test that one message 162 ways. We would have a green background, a red background, a woman in the ad, a man in the ad, an African-American in the ad, a Hispanic in the ad. We'd have a different font, a different font sizes. We'd have the fonts in the right corner, the left corner, whatever. They tested 162 ways. And they inevitably found that there were about eight or nine of those 162 ads that blew through the roof. Like they crushed organically and on paid and they had no idea why, but because they knew those issues were going to work, they had to nuance those issues and test them. And then they'd say, good. So for step five is now that you know what works, you go out and you launch your marketing campaign. The marketing campaign is going to send people back to your funnel, which is your website. And then they're going to learn about those issues that they already care about and go, Hey, that guy speaks to me. That candidate speaks to me. And then they're going to see the ads on TV and they're going to be like, yes, that's the issue I care about. And then they're going to be super hyper-targeted on digital, only the issues they care about. And they're like, yes, that candidate resonates with me. And that's how the candidate ends up winning. Now, the difference, mm. real quick, between political marketing and corporate marketing is in the political world, my opponent is running the exact same five-step system for their candidate. So it is the most competitive, innovative marketing campaign that has ever existed because in the end, we have election day, we have a winner and we have a loser. And as a marketer, I'm out of business if I don't win more than I lose. It's crazy how much marketing goes into these elections. Like it's literally just, it's not a battle of Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. It's a battle of two different marketing campaigns, two different marketing companies maybe like it's pretty interesting to think about it that way yep right and the difference in corporate marketing is that no one follows this five-step system no one except Uh i mean i do that's my business model that's why i wrote this i had all this success i said i got to write a book i got to show people that this thing works they can do it without me they can just go do it they can learn how it works and i'll be honest with you if you want to buy the book this is not a textbook uh it is not a textbook uh, if you want something like that, if you're super nerdy, textbook, this is not your book. If you want to know how Donald Trump won in 16, if you want to know how George W. Bush won in 2004, if you want to know how and I could walk through another case study that we just did in 2020, where, where the Democrats had targeted this House seat in Texas and we utilized the five-step system to win the race. I tell the, the five-step system is told through stories in this book. So it's highly entertaining. If you want an entertaining look at how politics really works, how the sausage is made, this is the book for you. And if you have uh, hopes, intents, ideas about running a business one day, or you're already doing it, you can apply these principles into your business and grow. And so or that was the whole running point. for office one day. 
Yeah. Oh, you'd be shocked by how many candidates read my read my books and and then hire us. But that's not the point. The point is to try to help educate a lot of people out there on how it works. And the funny thing is no one's ever talked about this before. So I, through the, my massive failure, I'm rounding back to the first question, through this massive failure, I was able to lay out these five steps. It's really funny. Everybody in the political world that knows this book now has said, oh, shit. That's exactly what we do. I never thought about that. Like that, It's not like it's a stated five-step system. It's an unstated five-step system. I just, through my failure, decided to write out what it is that we do. I found it, figured it out, and I wrote a book on it. And now everybody in the political world is like, that's exactly how we do it. That's so weird. I never thought about it, but that's exactly what we do. So that's, that's kind of cool, a little validation on it. Yes, I dig it. I, uh, I like that you peel back the onion there. Yeah. I and seen these elections and uh, candidates in a way that I have not seen them uh, before. Yeah. But it, I, I have, I, I guess I didn't really understand it. I have thought about just that, you know, Donald Trump, you're not voting, like you're, you're, you're voting for a brand. You're, you're buying the Donald Trump product or you're buying the Joe Biden product. I've certain, like, that's what, that's what is trying to be sold. Like the, the product, mm-hmm. um, they're really, the they're really just figureheads, yeah. you know, even, even, even perhaps Donald Trump. And, and I, you know, I, I love the guy. Like, I think that he was one of the uh, greatest presidents in, in us history, but still at the end of the day, like so many of these presidents are just like figureheads that are, are really, uh, products, brands being sold out to people. I don't know that I, can explain it in in the best way, but maybe you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you disagree. Maybe you agree. I don't know. Well, any thoughts? So Trump won based on the product or the brand of make America great again. I mean, you know, and no one had really, there've been great brands before take away any of the partisanship. You know, you could say whether you agree or not, Barack Obama had hope change, but Hillary had no brand, no product. Mm-mm. And this is why ultimately she lost. She didn't have a message. If you, if it's so funny, I've asked so many of my democratic friends and I come from the right side of politics, but if, if I ask my democratic friends, like what was Hillary's message in 16? And they go, uh, huh. <laughs> I don't know. but if I ask my friends, like what was Joe Biden's message? They're like, Oh, he's going to bring calmness to the, to all the chaos. Which and, is de- debatable, but well, that was their brand. That's that what was they sold. The brand, yep. yes, totally. Yeah, and so yeah, it really does come down to that. I don't think politicians really got it until Trump. I think what I always say is like Trump changed the game. Trump's the Molotov cocktail. What what the voters wanted when we talk about that first step is they wanted the Molotov cocktail. They just found the perfect vessel in Donald Trump. Every politician was trying to be that Molotov cocktail, but it was inauthentic. Trump like him or hate him or love him, whatever, he is the Molotov cocktail to the system. And that's what the voters wanted. And look, you know, Donald Trump won in 2016. He won three states by 40 or 77,000 votes. Three states, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan by a total of 77,000 votes. Yeah, so slim. Think about this. Joe Biden won three states, Georgia, Arizona, and Wisconsin, by 42,918 votes. 
if 21,500 Biden voters in those states had on election day went, "Mm, you know what, I'm going back to Trump, just 21,500 voters, Trump would be president right now. So that's that's how close that's the stakes of what we're looking at. And you can see the 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 consequences of that. You know, the the Democrats uh, proposed expanding the Supreme Court today. They are you know, hell bent on keeping us in lockdowns. You know, you and I are very lucky. We live in Florida, but there are a lot of states that don't have the the freedoms we have, don't have the freedom to have a business right now like we do. There are a lot of consequences to these elections. And behind the scenes, there are people like us that are thinking 24-7 of how do we get these people elected and what is it going to take and how do we out-innovate our competition? And the five steps is the most innovative concept in all of marketing that has ever existed. Not It's not something I created. I just identified it. And what I'm trying to do is help business owners understand that if they just apply that to their businesses, they're going to grow their bottom lines. Does it only uh, apply to paid placement campaigns, paid marketing campaigns, for example, like advertisements on social media and, and the internet? Does is is that really only where it applies? I don't. I'm screen agnostic. So is it is it a paid advertising system? Yes, uh, but we, we see plenty of as time. opposed to as opposed to like. I mean, look the way I grow my business, Philip. I don't do I don't do any paid advertising. Like I do not. I do targeted outreach. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that it applies. Does does it apply to to me? You know, I yeah, email, if you wanted to figure out who your targeted message. outreach is, then I try to figure out what they care about and then yeah, follow the yeah, yeah, steps yeah. that way. Uh-huh. But, yeah. but you know, look, there have been plenty. So I have a, a partnership with the largest data collection, analytics, and AI company in America. We have 200 million plus Americans in our database, 550 million connected devices. We're tracking 10 billion with a B, 10 billion purchasing decisions every day and a trillion searches. I can literally overlay a customer base. And I can tell that we can grab their IP address and we can track their movements online. And then we can tell you everything we know about them. So we, I can tell you whether they would rather get their marketing through the mail, through radio, through podcasts, through social media. And then that's going to that's gonna help me design a plan for that business uh, or that candidate on where I'm going to spend their ad dollars. I have a question. If you wanted to, could you like find out everything about Jordan Paris since you have access to this database? No, like because specific people uh, or just no, it's group? not like I can, I could grab your IP address for sure. But do I know it's you specifically? No. Uh-huh. Okay. So like okay. if you handed me like your follower list, I could overlay that on social media and then I could spit out a 75 page report on what motivates these people, what their values are in life, what social media platforms they're going on in chronological order, you know, how they like to receive their marketing, what TV shows they watch, how they stream, what shows they stream, wh- whether it's Roku, Amazon, what what subscriptions they have. I can tell you everything. I can't tell you that John Smith on your list does something specifically. So you can so you know the the streaming services, you you just know their behaviors, where they hang out so to say, on the internet and beyond. Uh, and so, and, and you know what they care about, so you can target the right person with the right message at the right time. Exactly. And so this yeah. is why it's important. Jonah Berger wrote a book called Contagious. He teaches at the Wharton School of Business. He is 
came out and said that we are seeing up to 10,000 ads online and offline every day now per person. Up to 10,000 ads a day. One person like I Every single person is seeing up to 10,000 ads a day. My point is this. When you're competing against 10,000 ads a day, you're not competing against other influencers or other podcasters. You're competing against bike companies, shoe companies, hair care product companies. You're competing against, it's all about the eyeballs. And so I'm trying to figure out how do I get smarter in that approach? And what's the message that's going to work? How am I resonating with that person I'm targeting, because if they're trying, if I'm trying to compete with 10,000 ads a day, I better break through the clutter. Uh, there was this great stat that I actually saw today. I printed it out because I wanted to bring it up here. The YouTube influencer market. Okay. I'm going to read these stats to you. And the reason I'm going to do that is because I, I want to hone in on everybody out there right now on how important it is to have a systematic approach in what you do. There are a thousand YouTube influencers right now with a million, a million to five million followers. One thousand. There are over a hundred thousand right now that have between thirty-one thousand and two hundred thousand followers. There are one million YouTube influencers right now that have between three thousand and twenty-three thousand followers. So my point is this, if there are only a thousand out of 1.1 million out there that are really crushing it right now, do you think they guessed it? Or do you think they are have a systematic approach that they are being uber smart in everything they do? Everything they do is calculated. They know every step of the way, the message they're putting out, the movements they make, the, the creative the content that they're putting out. Uh, this this is what subconsciously at the very least. No, I'd tell you consciously, Probably, um, yeah. maybe subconsciously at first, but consciously now. And my point is this: it's a, it, it, it the market out there. Whether you're trying to be an influencer, whether you're trying to sell a product, or whether you're trying to run for it to be a candidate, it is unbelievably competitive. And the people at the top are taking a systematic approach to what they do. They know what they're doing. And every influencer and business owner that I've come across in the last five years goes, I don't know. We just ran some Facebook ads. Well, you know what? You're going to lose every single time. The game is rigged against you. That's the thing. Unless you know how to beat the game, the game is going to beat you every time. It's like going to the casino and thinking, you know what? I'm just going to bet on red at the roulette table. Well, Okay, you, you go, well, that's a 50-50 shot. No, it's not. There's green, uh, you know, if you hit green, if you hit double zeros or zero on the roulette table instead of red or black, it gives the, the reason that is, it gives you a 49% chance of hitting a number. My point is, is that there is an absolute way to win this game, whether in whatever you want to pursue, whether it's politics, whether it's business or influencer, and you have to be systematic in it. Otherwise, you literally are going to be grasping at straws and wondering why you can't get any traction. The people that get traction know exactly what they're doing and they're breaking through the clutter. How does the average business owner, how does one do this this type of market research? I mean, you have access, you have great access. The partnership, so a couple of things, and I'll give you a free way and I'll give you a paid way. We have, uh, the partnership we have, we were doing this data collection and analytics and, and um, sort of profiling with Fortune 200 companies. And so they were spending with us 
quarter of a million, half a million dollars on the data uh, to, to get this analytics and these profiles back. And so I went to the data partner and I said, mm, I think small businesses need this as well. And they said, great, you need to pay us a licensing fee of six figures every two years. And then you can sell it for whatever price you want. And so now we do, we can sell it uh, for about 7,500 bucks for one, one project. And that we've now done over 300 small business projects where we've done this for small businesses and looked at their market and laid out this entire, uh, their entire mm -hmm. customer base. That's the paid way. Okay. The unpaid way is there's a ton of free data out there. You know, I was uh, interviewed with uh, to Altucher, James Altucher, friend mm -hmm. of, friend of the show. Right? He is. Uh, he wrote the forward to this book, and uh, I was on his podcast last night. And he said, uh, "How how else can you do this for free?" I said, "Look, there's Google Analytics, there's Facebook Analytics. You can look at those numbers and and devise that data and figure out what works. You can do a survey monkey to your customer client or, or influencer market. You can do and, and people are like oh, I mean, what do you mean? You know, I, this, I built this on social media. Okay, so put a post out there that they get some free swag if they fill out some some information and figure out what you want to know more about your market." Uh, James was like. Okay, let's say I want to start a restaurant. How would I do it for free? And I'm like, yeah, okay. You start a restaurant. You you sit outside the restaurant and you hand out flyers and you give people discounts. You get them in, and then every waiter and waitress in the in the restaurant is now everybody that comes in. They can ask one question to that customer, like, what did you like? What did you not like? What what are the, what's getting the most orders in that restaurant? Whatever it is, get the data, figure it out, and then devise your menu that way. My thing is this: I'm tr I'm I love the politician, but I'm obsessed with the voter. It's the same thing in the business world. I, I love the business owner, but I'm obsessed with the customer or the client. And so I'm trying to always figure out what's going to move them to want to come back or come in in the first place. And so, yeah, I think there are many ways that you, if you're smart and innovative, that you can look at data and put it together. You just have to be creative in that way. And now we walk through in the book how you can do this for free. And, and, um, and that's obviously in, in step one. The Undefeated Marketing System, How to Grow Your Business and Build Your Audience Using the Secret Formula that Elects Presidents on the deplorable platform that is Amazon, uh, unfortunately. But that's, you know, we, that's, we got to profit from the system, you know. Uh, that's the best we can do. We, we profit yeah, from the I system. Yeah, but I tell people this, like, yeah, let's use the system. We got to rent yeah. the system. But y your mm -hmm. whole goal as a business owner, influencer, or anything in your life should be to to try to wrestle that data back into your own ec ecosystem. You gotta, like your marketing has to, if you're selling things on Amazon, then when the box comes to deliver to that customer, you should absolutely have an insert Ooh. in there that says 10% off your next purchase if you send us your email. Whatever it, it takes to get the data back in your hands, you better be doing it because you're gonna be out of business. They're gonna, when you rent their data, they're going to change the rules on you anytime they want. Fair and unfair. Doesn't matter. Absolutely. I agree. Why don't we wrap up with Facebook v. Philip Stutz? Mm, yeah. So this is an interesting story. I uh, had about eight book cover options for this book. And so I emailed a bunch of people and said, hey, which book cover do you like best? And three of the book covers got an equal amount of votes, like 15 votes each, like of the 50 people I emailed, right? And I'm like, oh, great. Okay, so no clear winner. All, I got three that were the finalists, but they got equal number of votes with all the my trusted 
you know, sort of inner circle of buddies. And so I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's great. What? And somebody said, you know, I think James Altucher said to me, Hey, why don't you just go AB test the three covers on Facebook? I'm like, Oh, that's a smart idea. Yeah. Let, let's do that. Like I'm a tester. So let's go test. So we were going to test all three book covers and we submitted it to Facebook. And then they came back and said, your, your ad campaign has been denied. Now what's, What's interesting in this is everybody's used to sort of the First Amendment rights side of this story of people posting their opinions and being banned. But one of the, the the thing that I have now uncovered is this advertising ban. And so I went, oh, these idiots at Facebook, they don't know what they're doing. I said, tell my team, I'm like, go back, appeal, tell them. Like, well, first of all, they said, what was the reasoning? And they said, in the subtitle of my book, it says the secret formula that elects presidents. And Facebook said, you're trying to influence an election. And thus your book is banned from, from advertising on our platform. And I said, well, the election's already over. Like, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure what influence I'm trying to make, but this is actually a marketing book, a business marketing book. So I don't, this doesn't make any sense to me. I said, told my team, go back, appeal, show them that this is a business book. And uh, that, that'll be it. Eight hours later, Facebook's appeal came back, denied. You've been banned by Facebook for trying to influence an election. And so I have a platform and I decided to raise a ruckus. So I did. And Fox news reached out to me and said, we want to run a story on this. So they ran a big story on it. And then the, are you familiar with the federalist, the publication mm-hmm. called the federal? So the federalist folks reached out to me and said, yeah, we want you to write on this. This is big story. Here's what happened in between all of that. I had other people reach out to me and say something similar happened to me. One was a guy named Justin Donald wrote a, a book about investing. He wrote a book about, and in the book, he talks about how he invested during the pandemic. And when he submitted the book to Amazon, Amazon said he would have to remove the words COVID coronavirus and COVID-19 from his book because he was not a doctor. Now, he wasn't talking about the medical issue. He was talking about how he invested during the pandemic. Justin Donald removed the words. The book ended up being uh, a, the no, hitting number one on the Wall Street Journal bestsellers list. It almost didn't happen because he dared to use the word COVID, COVID-19, the coronavirus, when talking about investing. And then that's not the most egregious story that came to me. The most egregious story was a charity that my corporate marketing agency does pro bono work. Um, they are, their whole mission is to save physically and sexually abused kids from, from these home, you know, abusive homes, pull them out, give them services, give them treatment, and then try to find a safe place for them to, to transition to. I've contributed a lot of money to this place. My wife is on the board. We do pro bono work for them. And during the pandemic was the most, the highest rate of abuse children had faced in almost like 30 or 40 years. And they had never been busier, but they had not raised much money because people were not contributing to charities. So what did they do? Let's do a membership drive on Facebook. Guess what? They got denied. And why? Because Facebook during the election had an issues ad ban in place. And this particular nonprofit was considered an issue-based company. And because they were raising money, but considered an issues company or an issues nonprofit, they were banned by Facebook from raising money to try to help save sexually and physically abused kids from, Mm. from these horrific homes they're in. 
Focus on impact, huh? Facebook, yep. you know, that's that's one of their, their sayings, focus on impact. That's right. Is this the, the impact you want to have? So on, my, you know? my article on the Federalist, so if you want this, I'll and you can link it on the on the show notes, I'll send it to you. But my article on the Federalist was the exposure of this. My story, big deal. They banned me my test campaign on book covers. I, I'm not too sure. concerned with that. But here's the deal. There are a lot of people out there, Jordan, right now, that their whole lives are dependent on running ads on Facebook. Their business, they built a business, they have employees uh, because they sell products or services on Facebook or they sell products or services on Amazon. That is their entire livelihood. Yeah. And now that we're seeing ads banned, that that literally will put people out of business. And now that we're seeing nonprofits banned, charities are being banned. This, you know, it's really funny. In 2018, this hit political world first. These bans came in, or ad bans came in place in 2018. After the 16 election, they went, oh, shit, we got Trump elected. We got to start banning any kind of ad that has anything, right? And so we saw this in, six, in, in 2018 in the elections. And the funny thing was, is like, we tried to raise a ruckus back then about it. Like, this is like suppression of speech and all this stuff. And you know what we got back from the general public? Ah, screw you. We hate those political ads. Don't care about political ads. Good. I'm glad the political ads are off the air. I'm good with that. All that stuff. And I said at the time, and I'll say it now, if you think they're not coming for you next, it's just like cancel culture with all the liberals going after everybody on cancel culture. I'm like, do you not realize liberals? They're coming after you next. If you are are on, if this is something you're going to go for. It's a circular firing squad. And so my point is, is that you can hate all the political ads you want, but it started there. Now it's moved into business. Uh, it's moved into uh, speech suppression, but also business advertising. And now it's also moved into nonprofit advertising. And so yeah. these are the things that it has seeped into. Now, I beat this back. Facebook lifted the ban. By the way, Facebook, typically when they do these kind of things, they give you like a month's notice that the, you know, some, some kind of policy is going to change like for them. They gave us 24 hours notice. Like they literally note and t- they 24 hours in, in the middle of March or the beginning of March of 2021. They literally just said tomorrow the ad ban, uh, all these ad bans are going to go out of effect. They're, they're, we're done with them. You, you can start running ads again. But by the oh, way, that I wonder, nonprofit, I wonder if I can. That I nonprofit just, needs a month yeah. runway to get their ad campaigns up, to get the content mm-hmm. written, to get the content produced. That they weren't given that. So now they're just now starting to put that campaign together. They tried to run this in October. So we're now talking six, seven, eight months that they didn't be, they weren't able to raise money for a charity that was this particular charity was trying to save six sexually and physically abused kids. So yeah, that's what we're up against right now. And um, I, I made a little, Hey, I hopefully I made a difference, but I'll tell you this. I only made a band. I only ripped a bandaid off. The the big wound is still there and they, this thing is going to get worse before it gets better. Totally. Great impact Facebook has made. Even I was, um, I, for whatever reason, I don't even use Facebook, but I went to like go use uh, Facebook Marketplace one day, a couple of months ago, and I got some message, I have screenshots of it that uh, essentially telling me that, you know, I'm not really allowed to use Facebook Marketplace. And I, I had this, you know, I was moving, I had some things I wanted to sell. So I created a new profile under the <laughs> under a pseudonym and uh, so I could use Facebook marketplace mm. and 
So I can't advertise on Facebook either. I can't do anything like that with my with my Jordan Paris profile and the business page it's, Why is that, that? It is attached to. I don't know, dude. I don't do anything on Facebook, uh, which is part of the good thing because, uh, thankfully, yes, I was not reliant on on them for any business. I've mm-hmm. derived exactly zero dollars from marketing on Facebook and Instagram, uh, in, in the past ever. So, you know, luckily I was good. It's really just like, come on, you know, mm-hmm. the hell just not cool. So, I mean, yeah, it is affecting, uh, every everyday people. And, you know, unfortunately with, I mean, yeah, people were going after, it's kind of like, you know, when people for the past four years going after Donald Trump and, you know, people like my father would always say like, they're not going, they don't, they're, they're, it's not him. Like they hate you. They want to shut you up. They want to sure. shoot you down. And, you know, we, we saw like January 7th was a, like a historic day in the world of tech censorship. And that's, that was the beginning of, of, of the, like, I dude, you know, you've seen me on social media the past couple of years, like I at times pr- relatively high flying. And uh, I just haven't done much this year on, on social media because I just kept getting shot down. Like, you know, because I'm in the underclass and I'm going on a tangent here, I am the underclass a conservative, you know, my voice, I'm just not really welcome on these platforms. And so, you know, LinkedIn, it was like every post that, you know, would get shot down and, uh, and, and removed and comments even. And, and then I, now, even to this day, I'm like on some list where LinkedIn, every single on a comment, list. Yeah. Every single comment and post I make, it always it has an information reminder, no an information icon. It says, please be, please remain respectful and professional, um, learn more. Like I, I'm in timeout. I got actually put in timeout, Philip. I, the reason I got put in timeout was for bullying uh, President Joe Biden. I, I wrote a, just a comment on an article that was him, uh, you know, a couple of months ago, pretty much admitting that I really didn't have a plan for the pandemic. And I just wrote the lies that People will tell all for a narcissistic self-image pursuit, dot, 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 mm. in this case, to be elected president. And that is that is why I got put time mm. in, in time out. And that is why months later, uh, I'm still being told to be respectful and professional. Yeah. Thanks, mom. Thanks. Let me give you one little last piece. And of TikTok, band yeah. there, you know, whatever. But yeah. I just got really, before I give me my, la- my last piece, of, of advice here, but I just grew very disillusioned with social media and, and just grew very uninspired and, and just uh, frankly lost the energy for it. Yeah. So go ahead. No, I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. It's not my game either. Right. But um, t- two things. Uh, one is I will leave this. Uh, it's in the book, but it's also something I, I would leave for everybody here. If you super curious and you want to build a business and you want to know how to do data, we do have a free data assessment at philipstuds.com slash insights um, where you can fill out a little bit of your information. It's literally like less than 30 seconds. And then my team will help you understand how you can look at your data. If you're a business owner or you want to start something or anything like that, that's free. They can do that. And then the other thing is this, this is my advice. I was a conservative in the nineties and you are always going to be in the minority. You're always going to be the unpopular. It it's never because going to. We turn. just don't. We don't dominate 
it, culture. No, like I, I would, uh, I have a lot of friends out in Hollywood and they're like, yeah, we'll be friends with you, but not like in, this is a long time ago, but not right. in public. Uh, I mean, this is like, you know, when I lived and I lived in Washington DC for 17 years and the last five that I lived there, I was in a very gentrified neighbor or very, an up and coming gentrified neighborhood, 50% African-American old school, 50% sort of new, you know, the, you know, sort of liberal white community moving in. And of course I'm like this 1% outlier, like a libertarian and living in Washington, DC. And we would go to restaurants and the people in the restaurants would be like, Oh, what do you do? This is back in 2009. And they, Oh, what do you do? And I'd say, Oh, you know, I work in politics and they go, Oh really? What do you, what kind of, yeah, I work in the Republican politics. Uh, and they go, you know, it's probably better for you to leave the restaurant. So really? this was 12 years ago before cancel culture. And but because I lived in a city that was 92% Democrat, 8% Republican, that's just, that was the nature of it. You're not accepted here and don't come here. And it just has gotten a lot worse over the last 12 yeah. years. So get ready. Do we have, it's a fun ride. Yeah. Do we have an inspiring note to finish on? <laughs> well, yeah, you're doing the right thing, right? And and frankly, so uh, one of the things that I, I, I quote the Teddy Roosevelt quote about man in the arena. And if you don't know what that is, just go Google the quote. But you know, I get criticized a lot for my politics or for working in politics or helping elect people like Donald Trump in 2016. And, and I say, you know, you can complain on the outside where you, you go back in your little cube and you do your little paperwork and you work in your little job, but I'm in the arena. Um, I'm fighting for these things every single day. I put my money where my mouth is. Literally, I put my money where my mouth is. And I think for anybody, if you want to have an impact, you got to put your money where your mouth is. If you want to mm -hmm. sit there and complain and then you don't vote, if you want to sit there and complain, but you're not volunteering in your community, whether it's politics or just charity, whatever, like get in the arena and it's the most important thing you can do. So if anybody ever comes at me, I will literally just start laughing at them. Like I, I'm one of these, I will never apologize. And yes. I, cause I have nothing to apologize for. And people I, have tried to cancel me and I'm like, that's just not going to work with me. You, you can try all you want. And, and by the way, this is what happens in cancel culture. If they realize you won't apologize, they'll move on to the next person. Yeah. Right. Isn't that funny? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Attention spans are, their attention spans are very, uh, not good. I, and this is something that my, my father constantly warns me about, like just my business having nothing to do with politics, my podcast production company. And then, you know, just my, the, the political content that I do put out, like Philip, a uh, personal question here, like, should I, uh, should I be concerned? I mean, look, I, I know, I, I guess I kind of know the answer a little bit. I would make a lot more money throughout my lifetime if I just didn't talk about politics. Why do you think like, that? How do you know? I think that some people may be afraid to associate. Right. With but there are plenty of people America. making That's a lot theory. of money that talk about their politics. Yes, certainly. I'm one of them. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> so Good. my thing is this, have a mission, serve people, do Stick it with a it. happy heart, which is how you do it. And, you know, it, you're playing. I, look, I'd love to tell, I love these people that like, I'm going to 10X my business every year and all that stuff. Awesome. If you want to build something, it's going to take a minimum of 10 years to build it. 
Uh, now you can always catch lightning in a bottle. And uh, my fir- the political marketing agency, we call it lightning in a bottle. My corporate marketing agency is just slow and steady, and it's a ten year plan. It doesn't mean I want to grow ten percent every year. I want to. I mean, we've we've gone from nine point two x to then we grew in, during COVID by twenty five percent. But I know to achieve where I want to be, it's a ten year plan. And I think if you look at these things and you go, all right, well, I'm going to pursue it my way, do it my way tweak the the feedback I get along the way so it's smarter and better, and I'm going to do this for the next 10 years, then you're going to have all the money you ever want. That's the game plan. Philip, we'll leave it here. You're the man. Thanks. Yeah, brother. I enjoyed it. There you have it, my friends. This has been another episode of The Jordan Paris Show. Now, if you enjoyed today's episode, there are a couple of things that you can do. Number one is, of course, share with your friends and family. I think that they would really appreciate it. Number two, we have a free community, a sensor-free community on Telegram. You can join that group at jordanparis.com slash group. I'd love to meet you. And lastly, your voice is powerful and it is important. And if you'd like to use your voice and start your own podcast, I'd love to help you out. jordanparis.com slash course is where you can find my free course on how to become a rock star podcaster. That's all. Thanks everyone for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode of The Jordan Paris Show.